three mornings a week, we meet before breakfast for an early morning run. We spend most of our time planning and reflecting on what's happening in our classrooms. This has become our favorite professional development. So we figured, why not share these moments with you? Welcome to Math Before Breakfast. This is episode 42. I'm Tracy Prophet. I am Ruth Urquiaga. I'm Jay Prophet. And we are so excited to be joined this morning by Nancy Estepa. Welcome, Nancy. Hi. <laughs> well, we... <laughs> We are so glad to have you on this morning. Um, I have to tell why she's here. I, um, she, Nancy tweeted a tweet about that really intrigued me this week, and I sent a quick reply, and then I just spent my entire drive to school thinking about it, and so and and rolling all the possibilities through in my head, and I got to work, and I texted Ruth and said, "Ruth, can I invite a complete Twitter stranger to join <laughs> us on the podcast?" And Ruth was like, "Thumbs up, yeah, go for it." It. So if it's in the blogosphere, it's never a stranger. That is so true. There we go. I love that. So true. So um, we, first of all, we just want to hear a little bit, like, can you just tell us a little bit about yourself? What is your role? And um, maybe even tell us a little bit about your experience as a, as a student and how you've gotten to where you are today. Sure. Okay. So um, I'm a math coach and uh, I work in Virginia Beach. I've been a math coach for four years. And before that, I was a classroom teacher. Um, so this I'm going into my 11th year of teaching. And as a student, I hated math with oh. all, all capital letters. I hated everything about it. I picked, um, I picked to be a teacher because I knew I didn't have to take higher level math in college. Even though I do love teaching, it was like one of the things I wanted to do. But I also wanted to be like a scientist, an architect, um, a doctor, all these other things, but I was terrified of the math because mm -hmm. I hated it and I did not have any conceptual understanding because of the way I was taught. So um, when I was teaching in the classroom, I had a math specialist tell me, hey, you should be a math specialist. And I said, cool. hey, you're crazy. And she's <laughs> like, oh, you need to trust me. Because um, she said, I always ask really good questions. And so... There's my dog barking. It's all good. <laughs> but um, she's, she said, I always ask really good questions. So I really did trust her. So I applied for the math cohort. And then here I am. It's just, I'm still trying to understand and answer all my really big questions. So where did you, where did you um, go through and get your degree? Um, through Old Dominion University. It's a college around here in Norfolk. So I have... Um, I went and got my master's in teaching, and then when I went to go back to get my math specialist certification, I got a second master's, which I was very disappointed. The word math is not on it, but oh. that's math specialist certification is from. Yeah, awesome. Cool. Great. So that is very similar to my story. I feel like we're no longer strangers. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Um, so let's, let's talk a little bit about the tweet that got Tracy's attention it's it's about a million i'm gonna let you say it but where did it come from and what have you done in the past to help students having four years of experience this isn't the first time you probably thought about it oh for sure um so i was sitting with my fourth grade team and we were planning out um, our place value unit and we go up to the millions place and we were looking at high yield tasks like 
to try to teach from a problem solving perspective. We're trying to really get our school to switch over from um, that traditional way of math teaching, like, because a lot, all my teachers were taught that way too. So we're all trying to transition into a better way to teach math. And so we're like, what's a good task to get kids to really think about the size of a million? And the other thing that's even more important that I noticed, not just in fourth grade, but all throughout elementary school, is that the way that place value questions are asked on a standardized test, and even though I know, like, whatever your standards are is supposed to be what drive your instruction, the pressure of these tests cause some negative things to happen sometimes. So the way that the questions are asked are like, what's what's the expanded form? What place is this digit in? Um, what's the value of the digit? Um, and it might, might have some questions with some flexible decomposition where they have to actually group. But when I was a math specialist at my other school, I noticed my first graders could tell me how many t- how many ones they could do the multiple representations they memorized that stuff pretty easily Mm -hmm. but then when you gave them like a set of objects and you asked them to tell you how many and you had to group them in tens and ones they were with unifix cubes they would build tens what they thought were tens but they were really just nine or eleven and so their concept of ten was just that it was the long one and so Mm -hmm. I noticed like wow kids can really understand all of these um, ways that place value questions are assessed on a test without truly understanding that 10 to 1 relationship. So since then, I've just been on a really big mission to get teachers and students to really understand not just what's in our place value curriculum, but the huge underlying idea, which is the 10 to 1 relationship of our number system. And the only way I feel like I can get kids to understand that well is by physically grouping objects and it's pretty easy with unifix cubes like up to three digit numbers and then base 10 blocks you can transition to base 10 blocks and they go up to the thousands but then after the thousands there's really no manipulative that I know of um I use place value discs but they're not proportional Mm -hmm. so um I just it's hard for kids to understand the size. And I really want them to see like 10 of these make one of these and 10 of these make one of these all the way up. So I was thinking about what could I do that could get really big so they can really see how this pattern continues even with bigger numbers. And then if I have all of those things, what, what's feasible, how much money would it spend? What would I collect? And then I was, my brain was just going crazy. So you (laughs) thought about all the way to work. I was, I've been thinking about it for days. So yeah. that's why I like, <laughs> that's awesome. <laughs> yeah. I put it out on the sphere. I was like, help me out. Help me out. Yeah. And so you got some suggestions, like somebody said paper clips, and I saw you had figured out how, how much that would be. What yes. did you find out? We thought about paper clips and we were talking about putting 10 paper clips on a strip of paper, then bundling up the 10 strips, putting them in a bag and then putting those in a bigger bag. And we were going to do paper clips. And then we were like, okay, well, let's price it out. Um, $3,000. <laughs> we were talking about um, doing beans, like little beans and cups. So we're like, oh, how much are those cups? They can't be that expensive. Girl. And then my principal <laughs> is just laughing at me because she's like, yeah, I don't really know. Um, if I get that much paper clips, you guys are never going to get paper clips again. And you're probably not going to get paper for the copy machine. You know what <laughs> I mean? So my principal is totally on board, but she's like, look, this is your thing, Nancy. So if it goes bad, that's awesome so what are you what are you currently thinking that you might try 
Okay, so I have um, two good ideas. One I kind of had developed. I asked the most creative people I know, my special education team at school. I was like, guys, I want to collect a million. What should I do? And so one of my um, paras said soda tabs. And so the soda tabs, I like the soda tab idea because, first of all, we don't have to buy it. And we can get kids to bring in soda tabs to their classrooms and we can make it kind of like a school-wide project. We probably will not, we won't get to a million even in a year in a school-wide project. But even if we don't, how powerful that could be for the whole school. Like even the first graders can be grouping um, the tabs into tens and get to a hundred. And the second graders can be collecting and going up to their whatever their place value is. And then those third graders can see what does a hundred thousand look like. And if we put it on the morning announcements and we keep a tally of this collect a million challenge, even if we don't get there, I still think it would be really powerful. And the other thing that I like about the soda tabs is I know um, there's things that you can do. You can recycle them. Um, and then we can donate money to like charities and things like that. So my media specialist, cause we're very collaborative at Indian Lake. My media specialist is currently looking up um, cool ways that we could use possibly soda tabs. That does not solve my problem for my fourth grade task that we want to complete within the place value unit. And so then on Twitter, um, a girl said that when she was in school, she tried to draw a million of something. So the task that we have from our district, because our district's really good at providing us with a lot of great resources, is like, it's a star task. So it has like sheets of paper. One sheet of paper has one star and one sheet of paper has 10 stars and one sheet of paper has 100 stars. And it's like, how many sheets of paper would you need to get up to a million? And we did the task last year and it worked well for some students, but the students that really need that concrete experience, like me, we felt like it didn't work as well. We actually wanted to actually have them physically doing the grouping themselves instead of grouping things that are already in groups. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. And so then I got the idea from the girl on Twitter. She said, she's like, well, I drew, well, pencils are cheap and we already have those. So we could draw something, try to draw a million of something. And if we were to draw a million of something, the kids would really have to struggle to organize their drawings because you cannot keep track unless you have some kind of organizational structure. Mm-hmm. And then the hope would be that, you know, they're using tens and hundreds and all of those, you know, important, those place values. You're hoping that they're using those and labeling those in their drawings and their representations. And then the good news about that is say they get a thousand smiley faces or a thousand hearts or a thousand stars on, on a page. Then we can use the copy machine <laughs> maybe to make yeah like the 10,000s and move it up like that. So I'm thinking maybe do something drawing wise with my fourth graders for their task. And uh, then we can actually maybe collect the tabs as a school, but I'm still like open to other ideas because I really, really, really want it to work. Yeah. So I think what kept my brain going on the whole way to work was just how big a million tabs would be and how yes. like, how massive um here's the one that like I got out of the shower I was like Jay listen to this <laughs> you know so I I was thinking about how the size of a of a thousands cube um for the like in base 10 blocks right we can all right. picture how big that is it's about four inches in about four or five inches cube yeah yeah, yeah. 
Yeah, exactly. So a five, let's say a five-inch cube. Right. So then there's no way that a thousand tabs is going to but be it smaller. Fit. It would be bigger. Yeah. Right. So I was like, "What? what's the thing I could picture that would hold a thousand? I'm thinking like a small shoebox, like a kid's shoebox, right? right? Yeah. Yeah. Um, and so then... You're like, okay, if you have a thousand a box, how many boxes do you need? You need a thousand boxes of those, you know? Yes. And then you, once you get up into like the larger place values, you almost have a very difficult time conceptualizing, like, where is this going to fit? Like, I might, like, where am I going to put this? I do not have enough room in my school. But honestly, that's where I started getting actually really excited because how hard we were thinking about that. That's the kind of thinking I want my students to have to yeah, go through. Because exactly. if my students have to go through that, I'm thinking, oh, my God, where are we going to put this stuff? And this is going to be 10 times the size of this. That's the whole big idea. I yeah. want them to understand, like, oh, my God, 10 of these. I'm going to have to do 10 of these. So even if we didn't get to a million, if we made 10,000 as a school and they had to say, well, I need 10 of these to make 100,000, how is that going to happen? Yeah. that. I feel like then I can help them generalize into those larger place values. But I need something that's meaty enough, beefy enough, deep enough for them to have to think the way that we're thinking, yeah. you know? So I, I I like the idea of like the the task is in the how, you know, we're going to we're going to start and we're going to practice the grouping. But then the task is in the just how big is this and just how long is it going to take us to do this? It's, yeah. you know, proportional thinking, a, kind of. I Googled it. So there's a guy who has been collecting these pop tabs for 10 years. Yeah. A teacher did it. She took her 15 years. Wow. 15 years. And so I'm telling you guys, but like, it blows our mind, right? Can you imagine being a fourth grader and learning this? Like, I would be, I would love math if I was a fourth grader and I was like, Really, because you read the books, like how big is a million? You talk, you take out your calculator and you do times 10 and you see all those zeros get added and you're like, oh, that's a big number, but it's not big on a calculator in standard form. Do you know what I mean? Like Mm -hmm. I want them to really be able to see that multiplicative relationship instead of teachers just saying like each place value to the left is 10 times greater. Those are just words. You don't understand it until I don't understand things until I do it. So, yeah. so, like, I really want that to be a crazy thing. And I want my kids to feel like, oh, my God, that number is huge. Yeah. I need them. I want them to understand that. Yeah. And, and like, I could picture, you know, yes, you're, you're not going to get to a million <laughs> this year. Right. Like, by any stretch of the imagination. Um, wait, I have to ask, how many kids do you have in your school? We have, like, 600-something yeah, but so we're we, still rolling. So we worked yeah. that out. You'd have to bring two thousand. It, it we I worked out to five hundred students. Yeah, and so that would yeah. be two thousand tabs a student, or one hundred and sixty six cases of soda per student. <laughs> yeah, and um, one of my second grade teachers worked it out herself, and she's like, and she's like, I use a calculator. Is that okay? I was like, that's totally okay. That's a mathematical <laughs> school, but like, I was like, great reasoning because she did the same thing. Yeah, but I mean, I think that that's the power is even if kids, even if we only collect 10,000 and do something with 10,000 and the next year we can try to beat it. I feel like just collecting it and having them think through how we're doing. Well, how many 
tabs would each kid have to bring? Is this possible? Yeah. How long would this take us? Like, that's all what our school is about is inquiry and discovery. And that's just fits right into what we're trying to do mm-hmm. as our school anyways. That's cool. That's really cool. It is. I'm sure that you know about the Mega Penny Project. No, I don't. What's the Mega Penny oh. Project? So you should Google it. Or you, and we'll also put it on the show notes. Yeah, we will. It'll be in the show notes. But it's digital pictures of what one, two, like bigger yeah, yeah, than yeah. a quintillion pennies look like. Oh, wow. And it's yes, I- s- scaled like a million pennies is one mile if you stack them and a million pennies wait um, if you stack them one on top of each other a million pennies is a mile yeah it's like 5288 feet or something like that wow and it's 3900 square feet if you laid them out area wise so that as a sixth grade teacher we go there yeah you know and again it's it's not as tangible like you were talking about, but it's definitely worth letting the kids see it. It tells you the area. It tells you the volume of that many pennies. Um, it tells you it's worth. Yeah, that's definitely something to look at. Any As many representations as we possibly can, because obviously we're not going to get all of the concrete representation, you know. Right. We, we also... like. I just, I just have to go back to like, this is the task, I think, like the figuring out of how big a million of anything is and how cool would it be like after you do this, let them pick what's the thing you all want to figure out how big a million of it would be and, and, and see if they can carry that through or even your fifth graders, you know, like see if they could carry that through. But we did, um, we did, we were like maybe letters on a page was another one, which is kind of like your drawing one. And yeah. I copied, I copied lower, I think this is the one, right, Ruth? Mm-hmm. I copied lowercase O's to fill up an entire page. And it it was 3,268 characters on a page. So then it would take 306 pages of full of O's to have a million lowercase O's. But I feel like I could do that. Yeah. Yeah. I feel like I could do that at my building. See, okay, so that's good because that's what I might do. That's not so, even a ream of paper. Yeah, but let's, so let's think about this math. So maybe since three thousand is doesn't you know fit to a thousand, what if I did a thousand? I'm thinking about what might my fourth graders do if they did a thousand a page, like and that's you a thousand we, sheets of paper. Yeah, like I think I might be able to do a thousand sheets of paper. My principal might let that's only me do so that. That's two reams, so that's not. Yeah. Two, I mean, that's not. That's not bad that's at all. That's not a big expense yeah. at all. Yeah. You well, can the, yeah, the like the ink. <laughs> That's exactly, very expensive. But we can. I think she would let it happen. She's a math person. I think you don't she actually would have to show them ink on all the other pages. Show them be, one page that's full of right. zeros, and then show them how tall a thousand pages of paper is. And yeah. then you could you can like kind of switch to the rep. You can start making copies, but then you can like say switch to the representation and just put one thousand on it, and then maybe you could put maybe put ten one thousand sheets together and staple them. And label that a ten thousand pack, and then put ten of those Ooh, packs on bulletin yeah. board paper, yeah, like to show the group, and then put ten ten thousand onto a hundred thousand, and we can hang it in the hallway. Yeah, Do you know what I mean, so all the kids can walk by it and see, like, so how big that is. Yeah. We should talk about it. Well, we so Tracy was my student teacher. I don't know if you like 
know our little story or whatever, but when she was teaching math with us in the basement, she got some kind of special graph paper. So imagine like math graph paper is regular and then inside each one, they were broken into 10 pieces. It was so from they your were... dad. Do you know what yeah, it was? Yeah, I've seen them before. Like they're, I use those that kind of stuff for decimals. Okay, so we just drew a red line around 10 and then another red line around 100 and it was just these boxes. And then pretty soon the whole hallway just had right. this... I think our goal was to get to a million, but we had to just figure out how long it would be. Like it was too yeah. big to put it there. And it was, it that was kind of the task was if you know this much, what can you do? And when you were talking about the letters, it might be a fun task for if this is how much, how much paper it takes to do a million O's, how much paper would you need to do your name a million oh times? Oh my gosh, yes, that would be fun <laughs> yeah right like I feel like you that could even you could um I'm thinking my fifth grade is doing like order of operations how many like cool order of operation like equations could we write to go along with this challenge yeah you know after like how many for your name or how many reams of paper you know mm -hmm. that that could be really cool too something else to think about yeah I I just have to say that um well, two things. One is, have you read the book Counting Collections? Yes, and but I well, no, I haven't read it. Let me say, I have not read it, but I have it on my Amazon wish list. Yeah, um, I, I'm all I follow that on Twitter, and I, I mean, I haven't read the book, but I kind of understand the idea yeah. that kids develop their place value understanding through counting, and I'm yeah. completely 100% always on board with that. So, um. I haven't read the book, but I do want the book. Yeah. So it's it's exactly what you're trying to do. It's such a good book. So I, you know, I would somebody check out her Amazon wish list and buy it for her. <laughs> please, please. <laughs> um, so there's that, and and I I did it with my end of the year fourth graders last year, um, because I I read the book at the very end of the year, and I was just floored with what we ended up doing. It was really cool. Um, and then oh crap, what was the second thing I was gonna say? Oh, just the steps. I just have to say that we did this dumb um, like challenge at work on our on our an app through our health. You know, yeah, thing. yeah, we have something like that too. And you you had said about doing a million steps. Yeah, and I I liked that idea, but then I was like, well, how would you be grouping the steps? But exactly. maybe as yeah. But I know like the teachers at our school, we have a Be Well program where teachers can earn rewards if they have a Fitbit. I still don't have mine because I need to buy one. <laughs> but um, yeah, so our, a lot of the teachers at my school do though, and they collect up their steps. So that could also be another example of a task that could align with it. Yeah. So you can so like Miss Maripal walked 10,000 steps today. How many days would it take her to walk a million steps? Exactly. Yeah. We talked about that too, even with the length. Like if you had your students walk 10 steps down the sidewalk in front of your school and then walk 100 steps down the sidewalk in front of your school and then measure how long that is. Because we decided like a thousand steps was probably like half a mile. When we were yeah. running, we were trying to count and figure yeah. out how we long We've been it talking was. about this all week. <laughs> so, I mean, it might be fun to figure out how far For a million sure. steps. And you know what? I have the best 
PE teacher at Indian Lakes. I just feel like he would probably even do something with it. He has all of our kids run um, a marathon, like the final, the Shamrock final mile. Like, Uh I feel like this could be a huge math project that we just take on as a school. I love it. I just want to try it. Yeah, do it. So one more book I have to tell you about. It's called Big Numbers and Pictures That Show How Big They Are. Okay. This I don't know if you can see this. I don't even know how to do it. But it's all about... It's a about podcast, Ruth. It's a podcast. Two. Okay. But I just want her to yeah. see it. So it's all about yeah, yeah. peas. Like, this is one frozen pea. This oh, is I love 10 this. frozen peas. And in the back of the book, it tells you how they did the math. Like, they figured oh, out the I volume of a frozen bag of peas. And they had to pretend that the peas wouldn't smush each other down when they stacked them. Yeah. Um, so it's just another resource that is really cool. And it yeah. goes to like 10 to the 27th power. Oh my gosh, yeah. Like how many peas that, that would be. Book. Yeah. So awesome. it's by Edward Packard. Um, okay, y'all have to just message me the name of it so I can also add that to my Amazon wish list. Okay. <laughs> so it also has a $1 sticker on it, Ruth. Where the heck did you get this book? At a... Yard sale? No. There used to be a teacher store in North Carolina where they would sell everything that was outdated. Now, I've been teaching 25 years or 24 years, so it was outdated, and you would go the following year, and that was just in the dollar page, and I'm like, oh, I'll get that. And I've read it every single year. Look at the duct tape spine. Yes. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, and it was published in 2000. Yeah. And it's by not a publisher I've ever heard of before. Interesting. Okay. All right. Thank you. That's cool. So we have like 10 more minutes or so. Um, We'll save. We always at the end of our podcast do takeaways. So be thinking about what your takeaway might be um, if you have one, if you want to share one. But I would just like to hear in the time that we have, unless anybody, does anybody else have anything to say about one million? It's a big number. (laughs) Yeah. That was my takeaway. Darn. Save it. Okay. So we just want to hear a little bit about your um, coaching. Like I, so Ruth and I both just finished our math specialist degree also. Ruth um, from Liberty. Thank you. Ruth from Liberty and me from VCU. And um, I'm actually coaching. I'm like a month in and, you know, kind of like spinning around like, whoa, what do I, you know, what am I doing? I'm loving it. Um, But it's a big learning curve just uh, the managing the workflow, I think. So I just want to hear a little bit about, you know, um, what are some of like, what's the day to day look like if that even exists and, you know, some of the things that you've learned in the process. Well, a day to day to me kind of exists because my school does have a really good structure for coaching. Um, but it may be different in your school. What we do at our school, um, is we, do three touch coaching. So that includes I'm meeting with the teacher to plan a lesson um, that they want to plan. So it's always teacher driven. If you work with teachers on things that they're struggling with, that's obviously the most helpful. And then you don't have to go up to teachers and be like, Hey, I think you need to work on blah. Teachers know what they want to work on. You know what I mean? You don't want to make them feel like crap. Every teacher is working really hard, you know? So you establish a goal and you plan a lesson and then the next step of the phase would be where I would either go in um, and ideally I would co-teach a lesson that we plan together. Or if they're super uncomfortable, I might model a lesson for them. And then after that, um, our third meeting, we would debrief and we would talk about how did the lesson go. So um, 
Last year, I worked with teachers in cycles. I stayed with the same teacher for the entire quarter. This year, we're so um, lucky to have quite a few new teachers at our school. So I'm not going to spend as long with each teacher, but I'm still going to do that um, that, that three-touch coaching. And the other thing that I do as a coach is just we do weekly collaborations where we plan together and we talk about um, planning great math instruction, what does uh, great math teaching look like? How can we line? How can we align assessment with what we want our students to come out with? You know, so that they can meet their instructional goals. But I would really say that coaching um, adults is, is a lot like teaching kids. It really is because every adult is absolutely different, and they have their own learning styles. The only hard, the part that's harder about coaching adults is. Um, sometimes they can have a wall up because they're professionals and you have to still treat them as professionals. So you have to try, I would say a little bit harder to make them feel safe around you and not judged because a lot of times when um, teachers have adults coming into their room, it's to judge them on something. So you Mm -hmm. have to be really, um, you have to build a trust relationship your first year. That's probably your most important thing, more important than any kind of math is just building a good relationship and trust with your staff so that they feel safe asking you like, Hey, I'm totally lost on this or, Hey, I bombed this lesson. Like help me out. Um, And also the harder part about working with adults is we've many, 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 many teachers have been taught math very procedurally Mm -hmm. um, just here's how you do this. Copy me. Don't ask why. And we, they have very uncomfortable experiences and a lot of them carry a lot of math anxiety. So when they're trying to teach math differently because they don't want that to happen to their students, they have to undo what those steps are in their head that they remember, this is how I subtract. I'm always going to do the traditional algorithm and Hmm. I can't having a hard time understanding. Here goes my dogs again. (laughs) I'm having a hard time understanding, you know, how to do subtraction on an open number line. That's a hard concept for me to understand. What do you mean I can teach kids how to subtract using an open number line? Is that going to work? And so it's actually harder for teachers to, turn their math brains around than students because the students don't have anything to undo. Whereas Hmm. we have learning, learning. I have my little fingers up for quotations because it's not really learning. It's just memorized. This is how you do it. We have to undo that with adults a lot of times, but you have to let them know like that's okay. And it's okay for it to be hard and it's okay for you to be uncomfortable and you're not going to get it all in a year. I mean, look at us like we're math people and here we are struggling to conceptualize like how could we make this million work like this is not an easy problem even for us as math people so they have to feel safe to struggle just like you would want students to feel safe to struggle Hmm. that's really good yeah we we led i led a pd yesterday um online like at nighttime because I couldn't find a during the daytime to get it done. So I let it and we called it after hours PD. And and there was we the part that we've been Ruth like listened in and the part that we've been talking about is the it was the fear that like to me to me we weren't doing anything scary, but that's real for teachers. And and I have to like acknowledge that and be aware of it and plan for it. And mm-hmm. like I'm really 
Gotta it's think super, that. it's super real. I don't know a teacher that gets into teaching wanting to do anything but to help kids. And they're so terrified that they're going to mess them up. So mm. I just like want to let any teacher out there know you're going to mess kids up. Like that's part of the process. And then once you know better, do better and yeah. you can't be perfect. It's your, you want to grow every year and it's okay not to, to know what you're doing. You do the best that you can do. And that's why there's math coaches. That's why yeah. we have a job. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Jet. Yeah, that's right. Did you have a, a- so I'm really curious how your school, are you departmentalized or do you work with every teacher? Like how many math teachers are in fourth grade? Right. So I have four fourth grade teachers and no one is departmentalized at my school. So I do not make it Last year, I did not have, I think I had a lesson with every teacher in my building, but I didn't have multiple lessons with every teacher in my building. Mm -hmm. So I did work with some teachers a lot more than other teachers. So if you go in as a math specialist and you say, well, I'm just going to work with everybody, you're not going to create change. And at the same time, if you spend all of your time with just two teachers, say one of those teachers transfers to another school the next year, then you're kind of like, oh. So it's really about looking at what teachers need you the most then. So I I do have a fourth grade teacher that's going to be an amazing math teacher that hasn't taught math in a couple of years. So I did promise her like I would spend some more time with her up front until she felt more comfortable, which is not going to take her long because she's fabulous. And I also have like some newer teachers to my building. So obviously I'm going to spend some more time with them. But I still do have teachers in my building. I had um, one text me last night, like, when do I get my coaching cycle? I want my coaching cycle. You didn't give me my cycle. So, I mean, you do get stretched thin a little bit. So you have to really prioritize um, and try to get in everywhere that you can get in. And the other thing that I would recommend to do is really establish a really clear focus on what your goal is going to be for this year. Because you you can't just say, I'm just going to fix everything in math this year because it's just going to be overwhelming. So mm-hmm. um, my first couple years when I, I also was a math specialist in Norfolk, we and I worked at a primary school um, that was from pre-K to second grade, we really worked on tens and ones. Like the entire school, it was all about unitizing, like being able to group 10 of something and then call that one thing. Mm-hmm. So that was a huge focus that year. And it created, runs it helps everything else and then last year at indian lakes our huge focus was computational fluency and really understanding what fluency meant and how it didn't have to do with speed it really had to do with um, understanding accuracy efficiency and flexibility that flexibility piece is really huge so we did a lot a lot a lot with computational fluency so since we did so much with it last year my hope is that i won't have to do so much with that this year because we spent the time to do it until my teachers felt like, oh, yeah, I've mastered this. And now this hmm. has just become a part of the way that I teach. Whereas if I just said, hey, I'm just going to do this collab on computational fluency. Let's practice. Here's some handouts. Okay, do computational fluency. And then the next week, I did something different. Teachers have a bazillion, oh, maybe I should say a million <laughs> jobs to do every day. If you just do a PD for one day on something and then you do a new PD every week focused on a different thing, that's overwhelming. You have to give them time to develop on whatever big idea it is 
so that they're not getting a million things thrown at them because that's overwhelming. So true. This has been like the best pep talk for me. I'm like, <laughs> woo, this is you awesome. You can do it. Yeah. Man. Okay. I am just so thrilled that you tweeted that and it just led to this. So, and then we live in the same state and we might run into each other in other what? events. Yes. Okay. So we should go ahead and give our takeaways. Um, who's ready to go first? Wait, blip, I'm sorry. Let me back up. That'll give you some time to think. Is there anything we didn't ask you that you wanted us, you want to share? I'm good. Yeah, I love the questions from the beginning. I'm just really excited to be up here. Thank you guys for, for doing this. Yeah. Thanks for joining us on this. Was super fun. Yeah. Okay. Who's got a takeaway? Well, I was, I did math on the whole can tab earlier. Okay. And when I was trying to figure out, you know, a million soda tabs or can tabs was 83,000 cases of soda. And that's what my <laughs> brain went to is trying to picture 83,000 cases Ooh. of soda and how big like like the like if you're getting ready to, to take you know do something like you're getting ready to run a marathon and you can look out in front of you and see i've got 26 miles to go what if you like look out in front of you and like i've got eighty three thousand cases of soda to go <laughs> and see it's my mind is like now i want to go to the grocery store where they have the big you know rectangular prisms just set up of yeah. all these sodas and count them and how many of those would it take to get to 83,000 like, I bet you no grocery store you go into has a million soda tabs oh right for sure it kind of like reminds me of all those questions where it's like they start talking about how many times things can wrap around the moon do you know what I mean yeah yeah, yeah. Um, I would say that my my takeaway is that the the task I mean, we've we've been doing the task, you know, the task of like trying to visualize how big the numbers are, how big that amounts are. And like I've learned something through doing it, through thinking it through. So how valuable would it be for our students to think through, even if we can't actually get a million starting to think about this is how many a hundred would be and a thousand would be and then going from there that that. That was I learned a lot through that process. It's mm-hmm. all about the reasoning, not the answer. The answer I don't care about your answer. I care about your reasoning. That's yeah. what math is all about. Yeah. And your ability to state your reasoning. Like yeah. right. I I was telling her yesterday we were doing number talks in my classroom and I that fear of and that my sixth graders have of doing something they've never done before. They were just like, Yeah, I I thought the same thing she did. Right. Like They're they so didn't... scared to be wrong. I'm like, I don't care what your yeah. answer is. Mm-hmm. Like, so, yeah. I, Tracy's going to go encourage her teachers and I'm going to continue to encourage my students. Yeah. And... Did you have, did you have a takeaway that you want to share? Oh, I, yeah. I was going to say my takeaway is obviously I'm really happy to be on here with you guys and to connect with anybody that's crazy about math. Cause you know, there's still not too many of us. Yeah. So I think <laughs> And for sharing that book, that's a really cool book. And the penny thing that you were telling me about, that's like kind of a, another representation with the pennies. I'm totally going to be bringing those back to my school. So thank you so much for awesome. yeah. sharing that. All right. Well, we just really appreciate you joining us. Thank you so much. Did you have something you wanted to add? You were holding up your hand. Okay. So we always end by saying, I'll see you on a run because we run together. That's how this whole thing started. So you want to join us on a run one day? 
Um, I might be, uh, maybe I'll do a million sit-ups because, you know, I can't be running around. I got these two kids up in my house, but I'll do it. I'll do a million sit-ups. <laughs> awesome. All right. Well, thank you again, Nancy. We really appreciate it. And Ruth, I'll see you on a run. All right. All right.